Hello, this is Dr. Kimberly, and thank you for tuning in to another podcast segment of Tea and Therapy. Uh, this month of October, as I've mentioned, we are going to be discussing mother-daughter relationships. And October is also Domestic Violence Awareness Month. For today's podcast, I do have two separate guests that will be joining me. And for the first segment, I will be joined by counselor Chanel Lawson. She is a counselor in Indiana, and she'll be discussing uh, a lot about her experience. Uh, For those of you who may remember, she's also been a previous co-presenter with the tea and therapy that was in-house. So please, I'd just like to take a moment and welcome Chanel. So thank you for being here. And I am going to let you have your opportunity to say what you want to say and we'll make this a conversation as well so welcome this morning thank you so much for having me dr kimberly thank you again for allowing me to come into this space in this virtual space this time but i thank you (laughs) so i come today because i want to just share a little bit about my continued journey of healing Um, For those of you who may have been able to be present um, when we were um, in person for tea and therapy, I shared about my um, journey of healing from domestic violence. And on that journey, I wrote a book, um, The My Evolution as a Woman as Defined by the Men in My Life. Um, And that book just chronicles my journey towards um, healing and self-reflection. And so um, a lot of that book had me to examine the why I chose the individuals that I chose to be in intimate partner relationships. And the reason why that was so important for me is because um, as I was healing from domestic violence, I I realized that, you know, my um, ex-husband was a man that wore many faces in my life. So he was not just the first man in my life to be abusive in some way. And um, as I continued on that journey, um, it that journey took me back to um, being my first relationship with a man, which was my biological father, who left my life at a very young age. Um, I was two years old, and he was sort of an inconsistent in my life throughout my life. And um, I know this segment of tea and therapy focuses on the mother-daughter relationship. And um, I just wanna talk a little bit about how my relationship with my mother, more so her relationship with my biological father um, impacted me. And um, so, you know, my biological father left my life when I was two years old and he was that inconsistent in my life but he later resurfaced um, as as an adult woman, as a mature adult woman. And so um, I remember the day that he asked me to forgive him for not being a part of my life. And um, I shared that with my mother and my mother automatically went into her unhealed place and became very defensive. And she shared um, with me that, you know, you don't owe him anything. And, you know, why is he showing up now? And it was just a very raw and unhealed place for her. And I had to explain to her that him asking me for forgiveness was for me. And it was a part of my healing. But I recognize um, just sitting back and doing reflection in preparation for today regarding the mother-daughter relationship and triangulation how 
I was being pulled into the dynamic of my mother's relationship with my biological father. And that's so important for me as I'm healing from domestic violence because my biological father was an abuser to my mother. So um, her in her unhealed place and her in her hurt place and her in her unresolved um, healing with him in their relationship, being a child growing up with my mother, you know, I only heard her side of the story. He was abusive, you know, and I left and I left with you and he was never part of your life and he never chose to be a part of your life and he put everything before you. So I was, I grew up hearing that part of the story. So it was almost um, that missing piece that I needed to know that second part of the story, right? Because I only got that one side. And although he didn't give me his side per se, he did ask me to forgive him. So when he did that, it let it kind of let me know that he knew there were parts that were missing that I had questions to. Mm -hmm. And what so was, I just, oh, go ahead, Dr. Kimberly. No, you, you go ahead. Uh, we're having a little bit of a Zoom, Zoom delay, but that's fine. Um, I was going to ask, and you can you know respond to this or continue with what you were saying. Uh, but what is your relationship with with your mother? What's it like now? I love my mama. Like that, my mama is my heartbeat. You know, um, we have a really, really solid relationship. Like I know I can be one hundred percent true or organic and authentic with her, mm -hmm. with no judgment. But um, I just being with her during this time because you know when COVID first happened I went home to Nashville to be with her and my stepfather and just to be that support for them right to be able to go run grocery store errands and do things for them and so I was able to see a lot of the why with my mom like why she responds to things she the way she does you know why um she feels certain ways about different things I was really able to see my mother as a woman and not just my mother being in that close intimate space with her mm -hmm. the, the other questions that I have and so you know it is um, more so related to like the mother-daughter relationship as well and some of the work that I do with in Atlerian psychology uh, and then that sort of mirror that we have when we're talking about mother-daughter relationships. As you look at your life, maybe, you know, before before the healing process, through the healing process, continuing with the healing process, uh, in what way do you see your mother in yourself? I see a lot of ways. I see myself. And it's funny because I've always, my younger version of me, right, my younger version of self <laughs> fought very hard not to be like my mom. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I didn't want to be a very mm -hmm. stoic person. I didn't want to, I wanted to always show my kids love because we knew my mom loved us, but she just had a very difficult time showing emotion, right? And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I learned that, I learned the why behind that. I learned the why. Mm -hmm. But, um, I saw myself, especially the younger version of self, I saw my younger self a lot like my mom and mirroring my mom and 
<laughs> you know, um, echoing a lot of the things that she would do and say. And even as far as what success looked like and hard work looked like, like I tell everyone all the time, my mother and father put an impeccable work ethic in my brothers and I. Like we, we know how to work hard, right? But we, we didn't learn a lot about investing and saving and um, wealth, you know, inheritance. We didn't learn a lot about that. We learned a lot about you work hard to get what you want. And so that's that's been drilled in us. That's what we know how to do, work hard. Um, but I'm learning that everything requires balance, you know. So whereas she taught us an impeccable work ethic, the balance in that is teaching us generational wealth. And so um, just where I'm at in my, in my present self, I'm learning that balance and I'm having to fill in the gaps with that balance. So I see her in a, in, in a lot of aspects of my why on doing things, but I also am learning something different if that makes sense i'm learning a different way of of um i'm taking what she's taught me and stretching it sure sure yeah it does the the other follow-up question that i have so often when i'm counseling individuals and if there is difficulty with parents just as i'm doing the work with an individual i have them kind of look at their own history uh, and so when it's looking at relationships with other people i also try to get them to kind of see with the eyes of the other in that aspect, when you look at your mother, when you think about your life with your mother, do you ever see the younger version of your mother? Do you ever see like that child part of her? It's so funny that you mentioned that, Dr. Kimberly, because as I stated, I spent a lot of time with her and my stepfather when COVID first happened. And mm-hmm. yes, I that's when I really was able to see my mother as woman and not mother. And I can truly say that it started last year when my grandmother passed. Um, as my mother was losing her mother, as her mother was transitioning. And mm-hmm. I saw such a childlike version of my mother, even emotionally, like that raw emotion. I mm-hmm. saw a little girl crying out because she's lost. she lost her mother. Mm-hmm. And so I had to be... I had to mother my mother, if that makes sense. I had to be the support to her as she was grieving the loss of her mother because she became her childlike self. Right. Are there any other 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 times that you would that you saw like that child in her, or like for example, so for me, my mother was was young when she had to be, and uh, you know, I my mother was sixteen, and one of my my first cousin she was born when I was 16 and as I watched her grow then sometimes it would dawn on me I'd be like oh my gosh like my mother was only x age when I was this age and okay now more of this is beginning to make sense of some of the the difficulties or maybe strife that we would have had as she began to share a lot of her um because as I started supporting her and grieving the loss of my grandmother, I started seeing various aspects of her, right? And so I just start asking questions like, um, you know, mom, I, I noticed that, you know, when grandmama was on her deathbed and she was referring to, she knew my mother was in the room. If she knew no one else was in the room, she knew my mother was there. But she always referred to my mom as baby, baby, baby. And I said, Ma, you know, is that a term that grandmama used with you when you were a little girl? And she said, yes. Mm -hmm. 
and that's when the light bulb started going off for me. And I was like, wow, to be able to see, for me to step back <laughs> outside of myself to kind of see this dynamic between two women that I revere, two women I highly respect, two women who have been such strong women in my life, become so vulnerable in that moment, just be vulnerable and be two women, a mother, my grandmother becoming a mother to her daughter, my mother. Does that make sense? Like I was able to see my grandmother become, even as she was transitioning, become not grandmama to me, but a mother to her daughter. Okay. So in that moment, you kind of transported back in time and witnessing what they were experiencing. Right. Okay. It was beautiful to watch it and it truly <laughs> gave me what I needed to um, see my see my mother and my grandmother as women, to just see them as mm-hmm. women and to know that before my mother was my mother, she was my grandmother's daughter. She was a daughter. She was a young mm-hmm. woman. She was her own version of herself before she was ever my mother. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and Chanel, I know that when I introduced you, I know we talked before, but I introduced you and I said you know, that you're, you're a counselor in Indiana. And I know that, you know, you're more than just a counselor, you know, that there are other degrees, other titles that you have. So one, I'd like for you to, to share what those are. And two, as we're thinking about, you know, the mother-daughter relationship and you're also looking at that triangulation and, you know, the relationship that the domestic violence life experience that you've had, so the second part is how would you treat someone or how do you treat individuals um, that are coming in with these, you know, maybe mother-daughter concerns? So one, uh, you know, make sure that people know, like, you know, what your credentials are, uh, where they might be able to find you, you know, um, what your, your interests are, your approach for, for therapy. And then how would you address, you know, I know everybody's different, but what kind of things are, are important when you're thinking about mother-daughter relationships and healing from those. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, so I have a PhD in Christian counseling. I also have a PhD in chaplaincy. Um, I'm a licensed clinical addictions counselor, but that word addictions for me is so loaded because you know it, it can carry so many different meanings. So I like to say I'm a recovery counselor, <laughs> you know, okay. because Recovery is not just limited to addictions. Recovery is limited to, it's not limited to addictions. It it includes mental health recovery. It includes medical health recovery. You know, it includes um, recovery from PTSD, from domestic violence, you know. So I like to call myself a recovery counselor, but my state credential is a licensed clinical addictions counselor. And I'm also a life coach, which I really, really enjoy. I enjoy coaching individuals because it's um, it's it creates movement. Coaching creates movement. So let's let's we know the why of a behavior. Let's move past the why and into the how and the what to create that movement, right? Mm-hmm. And so I really enjoy doing um, that aspect of my work. And I consider myself an intuitive healer because I feel like my life's purpose is to help people heal. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that healing is a continuous process 
and that it takes work daily. Um, I do have a website where my services are located. Um, it's www.offerahandup.com. And then I may also be reached by email, which is offerahandup at gmail.com. And right now, the prices are affordable because I know that COVID has happened to everyone at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm being very mindful of that. Okay. Um, I, I really want people to be in a very comfortable space with themselves. Mm -hmm. And so um, part of what I, part of my services and part of what I provide is, it, it's, it, it's not to um, break the bank. It, it really is to promote health and healing individuals okay. and if, if anyone missed that i'll make sure to put that in the, the podcast notes as well uh, back to the you know sort of like your approach like if you were if someone were to call you and say you know i'm having these difficulties you know with my mother or with my daughter do you tend to do more of an individual approach do you do you know family therapy couples therapy in regards to the mother-daughter relationship I do both. I do um, individual and family sessions, um, but it would first start with a screening. So um, I do a free consultation, which you will sign up on my website. Um, I do a free consultation and we just have a conversation. We have a dialogue and we talk about like, okay, what what is your why for today? Why are you contacting me today? Because something has impacted you to the point where you feel like you needed to reach out for support, right? And so we have that dialogue, we have that conversation. And from there, from that screening, um, I tell the individual how best I can support them. Um, I would like to work with the individual first and then as they're identifying supports, building supports, identifying um, impacts in relationships, I, I allow them to um, include individuals into their sessions. Okay. And with this also being, you know, as you mentioned before, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, uh, do you treat, you know, individuals that are experiencing, um, you know, uh, have been in domestic violence relationships that are recovering from them? And when you're working with them, do you look at, you know, what you've been talking about, kind of maybe the impact of the mother-daughter relationship or the parent parenting relationship in regards to domestic violence? For sure, I sure do, and and that is because that has been my also my own personal journey. Um, looking at the why, looking at the why, you know, if that individual that has been the perpetrator for domestic violence may have shown up at various parts of your life, and for me, as I stated, I realized that a lot of my why started with my relationship or lack thereof with my biological father. And it just followed it just, throughout life. It continued. I continued to identify um, various partners until I, you know, met my ex-husband and mm -hmm. um, realized that I've seen this face before. <laughs> like this face is not an unfamiliar face to me, and it's shown up at various times throughout my life. When you look at that, and I understand that connection that you said, looking at 
the situation with your father. Is there any threat of that that you know you're looking at? Uh, and I don't want to say that something is causing something, uh, but in what degree did the relationship with your mother? How did that impact the domestic violence situation, or maybe some of those scripts that I like, what I like to call them? And that you know, I think that is another um, part of the puzzle for me, and 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 understanding their dynamic. You know, I'll, again, all I knew all my life was that he was abusive. I left. I, I don't know all that sandwich meat in between the sandwich. <laughs> you know, I just I didn't get all that. And I know that it's a very difficult place for her to, to speak about because every time it's brought up, there's a wall, there's defensiveness. there's And just knowing what I know about trauma and how trauma works, that it was traumatic for her. And that's a lot of unhealed trauma for her. And so, you know, that would require her having to go on her own journey of healing to kind of get to her why and then be ready to disclose about it. Um, Do you think so that that brings me to what you spoke about earlier? Uh, and so a way that I'm looking at it is I think that then a lot of this, you know, if there is mother daughter strife that a lot of that healing can occur when mothers and daughters are able to look at each other as women. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Just take the title off. We wear so mm -hmm. many titles. We are we given so, so many titles. <laughs> oh my goodness. We wear yeah. so many titles. So many. And mm -hmm. if we can just lay those down for a minute and just mm -hmm. look at person first. I, I so there's a new written project that I'm a part of mm -hmm. and it's called The Rebirth of a Woman. And I'm so blessed and honored to be a part of this project because it just continues my journey of healing. And so, you know, I spoke about my first book, which was My Evolution is Defined by the Men in My Life. And the rebirth of a woman just picks up where I'm at today in this moment and present moment of healing. And my chapter in the book is me and 17 additional authors. We co-authored this book. And so um, my chapter is the identity of self. And so you spoke about um, some Adlerian theories and mm -hmm. I started um, learning more about healing my inner child. Mm -hmm. And so I had to kind of go back and go to that place, literally go to that place when I started learning not to trust people, you know, um, how do I connect emotionally? When I started learning about those things about myself, I realized. And for some reason, I just lost you. For your mic had muted, so you were saying that you'd realized about yourself doing the work with I, your your own inner child. Going, yeah, doing some inner child healing, some inner child work, and so I had to go back to that moment when I when I learned that. You know, not, when I learned not to trust others, when I learned how not to emotionally connect to men, where I learned how to, um, if, if men wanted sex, then give them sex and get something back from them in return. When I learned those things that were self-defeating, right? And mm -hmm. so when I, when I, again, it took me back to my relationship with my biological father and how I thought that love was what I needed in relationships when really it was protection. I've, I've been looking for protection all these years 
in all these failed relationships. And I and it came under the guise of love. Okay. <laughs> you know. But um I, I I really enjoy writing my last project because it really it really spoke to where I'm at now with my healing and um, just really learning to reconnect with self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, you know, that's the key component with, with individual psychology, that it is that the individual part and it is that, that sense of self. And when that sense of self is, is stronger, then I think then we can connect more with other individuals. We can accept individuals for who they are and where they are. But it truly has to begin with with a sense of self. Uh, you were speaking earlier about you know getting back with your with your younger self, and so some of the work that I do, you know, when I'm looking at you know individuals and be it you know mother parent relationships or just really helping them to learn how to be it a mother or father, learn how to parent their younger self. Uh-huh. That. You know, sometimes it's it's the communications not there or whatever the situations may be that often the child has this expectation of what they want their parent to be. And their parent may not be that. They, they, they may not, they can't be that. We have this sort of idealized image. And if we hold on to that, I think that's where difficulty occurs. And then when we become adults, it's like, okay, now you can be that parent, you know, that you wish your younger self would have had. And it's not saying that, the parents that we had are bad parents. I believe that our parents and the majority of parents are really doing the best that they can, the situations, the circumstances that they have. And when when we realize that, and if there's any sense of lacking as an adult, we can give that back to ourselves. So a simple version for me, I was always like, well, my mom didn't take me back to ballet class, right? And so then when I was old enough, I'm like, okay, I can take myself back to ballet class now. So being able to somehow you know, parent or reparent ourselves, you know, if that's something that, that we need to do as, as part of our healing journey. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I spoke about having lack of trust and not knowing how to emotionally connect. And so you're right, like those things that I never learned to do because of, you know, adverse childhood experiences and mm-hmm. um, domestic violence, I am, I am learning to do that with myself. So I'm learning to trust myself. And as I learn to trust myself, I can learn to trust others, right? And as I mm-hmm. learn, you know, how to protect myself, I, I don't, I feel like I don't don't have to look for it in outside sources, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, I can protect myself. I'm a, I'm a wise woman, you know, I'm able to mm-hmm. use wisdom. I'm, I'm a, so it's just me sort of filling in the gaps of what I feel like I didn't get as a child or even in these failed relationships. You know, I was, what I was searching for in these failed relationships was what I just felt like I didn't get in childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that, being able to, to fill in our, our own gaps that we have. Mm-hmm. As, as we come to a close with, with this se- section with you, I want to make sure that we haven't left any gaps un- unfilled. So is there more that you wanted to say in regard to mother-daughter relationships, uh, domestic violence, the triangulation? And then I also want you to make sure that you then repeat, you know, what your credentials are, how people can get a hold of you, information about your book. Um, and I think you have, I think, an event coming up. So anything that, any gap, I want to make sure we have all of our gaps closed before we, we come to a close on this end. 
That sounds good. Thank you so much, Dr. Kimberly, again, for allowing me to come into this space um, and just speak about my own journey of healing, ways I can um, help support others in their journey of healing, and to just um, talk more about domestic violence awareness, because it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And I, um, I try to hold a big event or do some big event every year in October because it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And, you know, unfortunately this this year, COVID happened to everybody at the same time. And so, you know, everything's sort of moving into a virtual space. But I will be a part of an event on October the 31st, um, sponsored by Ms. Cassandra Dillon. And I can um, share that information with you so that you can share it with your um, listeners. Um, and my books i have um two that are already released for print and one that will be releasing the end of this month um my evolution as a woman as defined by the men in my life and then the 30-day my evolution journal um those two are available on amazon i really like the my evolution 30-day journal because it's not your typical journal it's not a journal where you're sitting down and coming up with content where you're like just writing down thoughts feelings and mm -hmm. coming up with things to put on paper it's it's an actual guided scripted journal where you're sitting down and you're reflecting over your day you know you're giving yourself um self affirmations you're identifying your feelings and the why to the feelings right so Again, I'm about creating movement. And these two, um, the My Evolution as a Woman and the My Evolution 30-Day Journal are available on Amazon. Um, Rebirth of a Woman, which will be released in the end of this month, will be also available on Amazon, but it's available for pre-sale. So if you're interested in um, purchasing that book, you can email me at offerahandup at gmail.com. You can reach me on Facebook at Chanel Lawson or Offer a Hand Up Counseling. You can reach me on Instagram at Chanel Lawson 89. Or you can visit my website at www.offerahandup.com. And, and please, when we're finished, make sure that you send me those in written format and I'll make sure to include all that information uh, in the podcast notes and then also in the, in the newsletter and sharing on my uh, social media pages as well sure so for me it, for me it's it's all about you know there's enough healers around and there are enough people in the in the world that um there's enough for everybody and so i truly believe in competition i'm sorry i believe in cooperation um over competition so i'm more than happy to share that information uh, before yeah before we leave so you know everything that i do is it is tea and therapy and the acronym for tea and therapy stands for to teach, empower, and advocate. Uh, thinking about either what we've talked about today or just how you do your work, what is it that you hope that you teach? Like, what do you want to teach? What I want to teach individuals is the art of healing. And what I want to empower them with is the, the sense of self. And what I would like to advocate for is for individuals learning to advocate for themselves. Great. Anything that you would like to tell the audience today before we log off for this, this portion? I'm a big proponent in self-care. And so um, 
with so much going on in, in this world, and you know, and maybe even behind our own closed doors, I wanna encourage everyone to just be kind to yourself today. Do something to promote some self-care, whether it's going for a walk, whether it's um, just sitting in quiet for five minutes, do something to be kind to yourself today. All right, thank you. So um, again, this, this brings an end to this segment with uh, Chanel Lawson. And uh, take a little break now and we'll be back soon. Thank you. Hello, this is Dr. Kimberly, and welcome back to TN Therapy. And as I mentioned in this segment, we will be joining, we will be joined by Dr. Sharissa McCray, and she is actually the special guest that I will be having for this month's TN Therapy. And she is currently seeing clients in North and South Carolina, primarily through telehealth. And she will be discussing mother-daughter relationships. So I'm happy to have her on, uh, just for a brief introduction of who she is and a little tidbit of how and what she'll be presenting this month. All right, thank you. So hello, Sharissa. Hi everyone, how are you? Um, my name is Dr. McCray. I am originally from South Carolina. I am currently a postdoctoral fellow at Langston University in the RRTC and Disabilities um, Studies um, through a NILA grant. And currently my research um, agenda is looking into sexual trauma and how it ties back into um, the post-traumatic um, slave syndrome, um, particularly that of um, some of the relationships in the dyads and family systems in the African-American culture. Um, so the presentation and the webinar that I'm a special guest on this month with Tea and Therapy um, is going to be related to my research interests and my research agenda currently as a postdoctoral fellow. And that's related to sexual communication patterns of mother and daughter dyads and how it relates to um, sexual traumatization in family um, systems in the African-American community. And what can we do from a critical race um, theory standpoint and therapeutically um, cultivating um, culturally responsive therapeutic interventions, approaches, um, and even holistic wellness, how all that ties in together. Um, so this month, I'm excited to kind of talk about the intersectionality of culture and sexual trauma, sexual health, and sexual education, and how the communication pattern in the dyad um, between African-American mother and daughters, um, how that impacts that both negatively and positively and kind of what we should look for as therapists and as family members and just as community members to be supportive of one another. Seems like a lot. <laughs> it is, it is. And it's still shaping. So, um, you know, in research is still that broad and I'm still narrowing it down technically to be yeah. more concise. Okay. But um, hopefully if the webinar I can make it more simplistic. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. That's why we have you on here for a little bit now. And so, you know, we can get that opportunity. So people that are listening get that opportunity to, you know, be able to tune in. And then once they tune in, also ask more questions as well. And, you know, to be able to find you. So with that, can you tell, tell me a little bit more about like your, the postdoc fellowship? And then also, how did you get interested in the, in this topic of looking at, you know, these sexual communication patterns and really combining 
this holistic aspect as well. Absolutely. Um, um, doing a postdoctoral fellowship, this is through Nidler, which is the National Institute of Disability Independent Learning um, Living Research. And right now I'm working in the RRTC in my final year of the fellowship. Um, I am on some projects that they had currently working um, prior to me coming into the center, but I'm working on a project with the opioid um, dependency and epidemic that's been current through our nation with um, synthetic opioid overdoses. Um, my research in the center particularly with the projects is related to telehealth in rural communities because I'm from the rural south, I'm rural south community of um, South Carolina, so I know a lot of times um, resources can be, um, you know, a little lack, lacking in certain areas in terms of specialty healthcare providers. So my research has always been geared toward rural communities, especially with telehealth, and um, particularly with COVID nineteen that just hit. That was pretty, pretty a, a pretty big necessity um, with the current pan pandemic of those who have chronic illnesses and health conditions. So that's what my research with the center um, pertains to. And my personal research has always been in sexual health studies, um, especially with my dissertation. It deals with disability and sexuality education. Um, so um, with that, um, my PhD program always emphasized trauma-informed care. So I always kind of wonder how all those things kind of play hand in hand. And with the Nightler long-term range plan, they're looking more towards in the health and functioning section um, sector to study post-traumatic stress disorder and psychiatric disabilities. And that's particularly my area of interest um, because I know with sexual trauma, it can definitely lead to post-traumatic stress disorder, um, borderline personality disorder, and other things that can have um, some, some you know, risk, risky behaviors within in terms of impulsive sexual behaviors and things of that nature. So I've always just kind of been curious as a clinician, but also as a researcher, um, you know, just kind of how those things play out and, you know, socially, how do those social constructs, you know, make those things difficult for us to handle or to even discuss. Um, so I think all of this kind of came as a brainchild in the doctoral program and just being able to cultivate that in the postdoc um, experience was a good thing. And again, like I said, hopefully I can make it more concise because uh, that's one thing I've been working on is making that, that agenda more concise because it's such a big complex issue. Um, and that's something we've been working on, I feel like, as a community. Um, but just in the rural communities, it's been something that I've wanted to kind of, you know, look look into. Because I think we see things different culturally based on maybe religion or just based on, you know, just different things in our ecology, so. Sure. Um, you know, don't, I mean, one thing about tea and therapy when I do the workshops, often that is something that comes up where part of it is, um, you know, I'm thinking like, did I prepare too much? Did I prepare too little? Mm -hmm. So if you've done too much, that's okay, because I'll just bring you back to do the rest of it. Right? Oh, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell me though, your your program is that like a is that a psychology PhD? Is that social work? What 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 is that? Um, the PhD is in rehabilitation counseling, so it was core. It was um, accredited by core, but then they had a merger mm -hmm. with KREP um, with them, and that's mm -hmm. the accrediting body for what well, agency for all mm -hmm. mental health programs. So we're now merged with that, um, but it's not it's not based in psychology. But we had a lot of psychology majors sure, that were sure. there. Yeah. How did you um, enter into? So just you know, so people can kind of know more about you. And um, how did you enter into like the helping field? What made you decide to go to school? 
Um, I entered into the health and field um, just basically my background. Um, I grew up in a Baptist, a missionary Baptist church, so I've always kind of been um, keen to social work in a sense because I've always kind of worked on different ministries in the church. And I think as I extended out, I wanted to be a medical doctor or a PA, and it just wasn't, I didn't find a lot of passion in it. So when I switched my major in undergrad, of course, I found um, the sociology major and that was a very broad and we didn't have a psychology major at Clapham University and that's a small liberal um liberal arts historical black college university in Orangeburg South Carolina and um I got a scholarship to well not a scholarship but an opportunity to go to USC in a social work program I wanted to be a sex therapist and I knew a sex therapist told me well don't go the counseling route because you know that's very specific if you want to do sex therapy that sounds more systems related so they recommended social work and um i still was able to do mental health counseling as the licensed clinical social worker so that was the best route for me to get there and the phd program i saw that they had marriage and family counseling trauma-informed care with with an emphasis in trauma-informed care and that drew me to the phd program at north carolina a t state university in Greensboro, North Carolina. So it sounds like you're quite the asset for the Carolinas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're a Carolina girl. <laughs> okay, and with that, so if as people that are listening, um, and I know you mentioned like you're doing your, your fellowship, mm-hmm. what's the process like if someone wants to see you, can they see you just through mm-hmm. their self-referral or do you have to go through like an agency? Um, They can see me through, this, um, through a self-referral. Um, and I can provide that information definitely the day of the webinar. And um, you, uh, you can email me at essentialpathwayscounseling at gmail.com. Um, Essential Pathways Counseling. Um, and it's the word Essential Pathways Counseling at gmail.com. Um, I may be reached there. And um, I'm my area code, my cell phone number. Um, I have a personal number right now, but I do have. Um, I will provide the agency cell phone number, the practice, sorry, cell phone number, the day of the webinar. Sure. And you can reach me on that number as well. And ask anyone from North Carolina, South Carolina, anywhere nationally, because um, I also have a consultation side to the practice as well. If they just want to consult or just speak about research, they can reach me there. Okay. Yeah, and feel free, you know, when we end this, to also then send me that information through the email. So what okay. I'll do is we can share it, you know, through both uh, the social media uh, platforms, um, also with the podcast newsletter, we can share it in that regard as well. Uh, so I know that that we are we're communicating in real time, and of course with technology, some of our real real time and technology, we do have a little bit of snags, and it looks like we are currently experiencing a slight snag. So I will give uh, Dr. McCray a few minutes to see if we can get her back on the line. A few seconds, actually. All right, thank you for coming back. We did have a few technical difficulties there. So we are at the point that we are coming to a close and before we come to a close so there are certain things that one i want to make sure that um, i think you were in the middle of giving us your contact information i know some of that you'll give to us um, later during the time of the presentation wanted to make sure that we have at least your right email contact for you and part of tea and therapy 
Uh, when I do TM therapy, and the acronym stands for Teach, Empower, and Advocate. So before we end today, what I want you to do is just kind of respond to those in regards to what is it that you teach, um, how do you empower, and in what way do you advocate? And if you, I'll just go ahead and unmute you. Let me put plain tag there. You should be able to speak now. Okay. Um, I teach um, definitely in terms of teaching self-advocacy, um, rights to self-advocacy, um, especially to persons with disabilities, um, and especially my niche with um, those who have borderline personality disorder um, and those who have been sexually traumatized. I educate in terms of their rights to um, have power over their bodies, their rights to say no, the right... Um, for them to choose their own path, you know, even after the storm and destruction of things. And I educate them on the red flags, you know, more essential ways of celebrating themselves, celebrating their bodies, um, celebrating their past and their present and their future. Definitely, I try to educate not only with facts, but definitely with um, inspirations. I try to educate in terms of um, how I advocate. I advocate also, I teach a lot of social justice in um, some of the counseling courses that I'm an adjunct faculty in as well. I try to advocate everywhere, even in my personal life, not just as Dr. McCray, just as Sharissa, you know, as a cousin, as a sister. I get into a lot of arguments because of it, but I just stand tall on whatever I believe, and I don't try to flow with um, just what the system says, because a lot of times the system is oppressive, especially towards Black women. So this important this topic is pretty important to me. So I definitely try to advocate for those who have been traumatized, not only sexually, just in general. Um, trauma is definitely a passion for me. Well, thank you. So thank you very much for being with us today. And what we will do is I hope that we'll, we'll have the podcast out. And of course, we will be meeting again on October the 24th. And that is 10 a.m. on Eastern Time. And that is for the regular fourth Saturday session of TN Therapy. So Dr. McRae, uh, thank you very much for your time today. And again, for those that are listening, also thank you very much. And I hope to see you all again on October the 24th. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any information presented on this podcast is designed for educational and entertainment purposes only. If you are currently working with a psychologist or other mental health professional, please consult your provider before making any changes based on any information presented during this podcast.